Lord, we thank you for the grace and kindness that you have given and have shown us. And Lord, we give you thanks for all the blessings that we've received this past year. And Lord, as we come into this new year, we say thank you in advance for what you will do, for how you will work and for how you will move. We give you the praise and we give you the glory for all that you're doing, for all that you've done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 16 this morning. Luke chapter 16. And before we get into our scripture passage here this morning, I just want to recast our vision and remind you of why we exist. Our mission is this. It's to love God with all that we are while making more and better followers of Christ. To love God with all that we are while making more and better followers of Christ. Our vision is simply this. We want to receive people into the kingdom, receive people to Christ, receive people who are unchurched into the church. We want to uh, share the love of Jesus so that people might know the goodness and the mercy and the salvation of Christ. We also want to equip people, and that's why we offer various methods for you to be equipped. There are Bible studies going on right now. Matter of fact, there's a men's and women's class, but also at 9 o'clock, there's a great co-ed class. Uh, if you don't have a Bible study that you can't attend during the week, uh, there's a 9 o'clock class that uh, is going through each book of the Bible. And uh, matter of fact, they're probably about seven or eight weeks into it, so you still have about 55 books uh, that you can get. And every week there will be another book. There may be books, particularly in the Old Testament, and you go, I have no idea what that book is about. I don't have a clue. Well, if you will go to this class, uh, we have some great teachers, by the way. Uh, matter of fact, Greg Finley uh, is teaching that class and uh, who is, has a seminary degree as well as also another master's degree in theology from Oxford. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. So I, I really want to encourage you uh, to take advantage of that as well as midweek classes we have. Uh, we have a men's Bible study on Tuesday morning, and then our women's Bible studies will all be kicking up the 1st of February, as well as our Wednesday night classes. So there are plenty of opportunities, everything from Bible studies to crown ministries uh, to other types of training. We want you to be equipped. Uh, and then the next one is impact. We want to impact the world that we're in. Now, uh, you're very aware of the church plants and the missions, the village that we've adopted, Monica Miller and, and others that we have on the field. Matter of fact, I see Dan and Mindy Scott are part of a church that we planted in Phoenix are here today. And we also want to continue to do that. But we also in your bulletin, you'll see kind of Operation Impact. And to, by 2015, we want to be doing this. We want to be sponsoring a thousand children uh, around the world, both locally and internationally, those who are in need. We believe that God is calling us to do that. We also want to be serving as a church 10,000 hours outside of what we do inside the walls of this church. So 10,000 impact hours outside of the church itself. So we want you to begin to pray about how you might be a part of it. Matter of fact, we're going to be looking for people uh, who would help us administrate that, who would volunteer their time during the week to help make those things happen. So we want you to pray about those opportunities. And at the end of the service, if you're willing to uh, begin to pray about it, if you're willing to sponsor a child, and we're working with World Vision and a couple other organizations, you may already be sponsoring a child. That's great if you are. If you are, then what we'd ask you to do is 
to bring your picture, uh, bring a picture of that child, and we're going to post it on the south side of the wall. And when we get to a 1,000, we're going to celebrate. And so we want to ask you to begin to pray about how you might be a part of impacting the world that God has given us. And then lastly, we want to continue to send people out. I mentioned a few that are here today, and there are others praying about giving their lives to missions, planting churches, going overseas, uh, and working with communities that are in need of the gospel and in in need of assistance of the love of Christ. And uh, we're praying that God would call ten people out of our church in the next five years to do that. So uh, those are very measurable, and they're very doable, quite frankly. Uh, But it's going to require us stepping up to the plate. We're putting money there, but we also want to ask you to step in and make a personal investment. So at the end of the service, if God places it upon your heart to do one or all three of those, whatever God calls you to do, we're going to end the service this morning by you lighting a candle as a sign of that commitment. So think about how you might be involved. You know, the real truth of it is uh, churches uh, really, if, you'll, if I can be so bold as to pronounce this, they really qualify into three different levels. Uh, churches are either going to be mission-driven, mission, and when I say mission, I'm not talking just about missions, but I'm talking about the mission. Uh, making more and better followers of Christ, loving God with all that we are. That's our mission. They're either going to be mission-driven or they're going to become maintenance-driven. Now, what do I mean by maintenance? Well, you know what? Let's just take care of what we got. Let's just do what we've always been doing. And, you know, there's a lot of new people. That just makes me uncomfortable. Let's just keep what we got right here. Let's just be right here. And once you enter into that maintenance mentality, then you're on the, what they call the death spiral. And that's why I use the word mausoleum. Uh, you, may, you may say, well, I, I think that's a little drastic, don't you? Here's, here's the real truth. And this is just a, a Baptist statistic. This is not evangelical. This, it would even be larger than this. But do you realize that there are three churches that shut their door on average every day? That's 21 churches a week close their doors for the final time and no longer have church. 21. And we're planning approximately two a day. As you can see, there's a deficit there. How does that happen? I bet you if you went back and interviewed, almost every one of them entered into a maintenance mindset. We're just going to stay right here. We're just going to do what we're doing, and this is enough right here. Once you enter into that maintenance mentality, that's where you're headed. So God has not called us to be people of maintenance, but people of mission, people of vision. Now this morning, I want you to look at a passage that is arguably the most controversial parable that Jesus tells in the Bible. Certainly, Luke chapter 16 is uh, the, the, if there are any two parables or any chapter in the book of Luke that pastors want to avoid, it's Luke chapter 16. We, we dealt with the other side of Luke chapter 16 on the doctrine of hell a couple of months ago, but this is the first part, and it's the shrewd manager or the unjust manager. You'll hear a lot of descriptions. And, and this is one of those difficult passages because people will, in my opinion, try to reinterpret to make sure that it looks good or we just misunderstanding or that's not really what it means or let's just don't even talk about this one. That's just a good one to avoid because there's a lot of controversy. And let me just say this right up front. I don't believe that God is calling us to rip people off in business. Okay, just so get that out of your mind. So that's not the message that Jesus is going to be teaching here. And when you say the word shrewd, you can look at that negatively in the sense of manipulative 
or you can look at it in the point of being a con man, or you can look at shrewd. The word is also used sometimes, uh, anthropos, or anthropos, uh, as wise or as wisdom, depending on how it's used. Uh, again, we see Jesus using it back in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, that Tommy read earlier. And so I want us to look at it from that positive side, because certainly that's what Jesus is intending here. Remember, all Scripture can be really classified into one of two areas. You can say scripture, when we read Scripture, sometimes it's descriptive. Descriptive of what has occurred. It's not an endorsement that you go and do likewise, but it is a passage of Scripture that describes the events that have occurred. And then there's prescriptive Scripture. Scripture that prescribes, it tells us, yes, this is exactly what you should do. Again, we would say uh, the Great Commission is prescriptive. We would say the Ten Commandments are prescriptive. So as we look at this passage, it's both. It's certainly descriptive primarily, but then Jesus gives us a moral or a lesson, a prescriptive lesson out of this passage. If you have your Bibles, let's read together. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his position. So here is a steward, one who has been placed over the wealthy man's estate. It's probably an estate, an agricultural estate, which he does not actually live on, which was very common, uh, but which he derives much of his income from. And he's hired a manager or a steward who is over this farming area, over the personnel and over the product and over the land. But this guy has become wasteful. He is wasting the steward's or the owner's assets, the Bible tells us. So the owner calls him in and asks him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Basically, he's being fired. You have been wasting the assets and the produce that I have, uh, I have commissioned you over, so I am firing you, is what he tells him. And the manager said to himself, well, what am I going to do now? He's speaking rhetorically, by the way. And my master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called each one of his master's debtors, and he called the first. How much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Now, now that's a lot of olive oil. That's the equivalency to 450 trees. So we're talking about a huge debt. He goes, you owe that much? He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that 800 gallons, the manager says, and take, down, t- take your bill, sit down, and make it 400. I-, I want to reduce your debt by 50%. Now, that's an amazing amount, and and we're not exactly sure how they got here. We don't know if it's a commission that this steward has self-imposed, and which sometimes they would do. We know that was true in the case of Zacchaeus in chapter 12 here later on, or chapter 19, excuse me, later on. So we don't know if that was his commission that he had kind of self-imposed, or it could be, that the owner is not incredibly scrupulous himself, and the owner, uh, if these were Jews, was not allowed to, to charge an, an interest, but sometimes they would get around that by the steward doing it. So it might be that that's what they really owed uh, without interest. We're not sure. But whatever the reason, we know that it's illegal 
deal because the owner doesn't object to it. He doesn't try to bring charges or have him thrown in jail. So we continue on here, and he says, how much? He goes to the second one. He said, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. Now, this is equivalent to a hundred acres of wheat. We're talking about a lot of wheat. And certainly this is a different commodity than the first. And he says, I want you to sit down and I want you to write 800. Eight, put 800. So I'm going to reduce your debt as well. And here he is, in a sense, buying and receiving favor as he reduces the debts that these individuals own. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted how? Shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealings with their own kind than the people of light. Now, what does he mean, people of the world? People of the world, he's talking about people who are not followers. Uh, and, and, and for our instance, uh, not cr- those who follow Christ, not Christ followers. In this one, uh, in this particular instance, he would be talking about those who are following Yahweh. He said, those are the, the people of the light. Those who are followers of Christ, those who are not, those who are unbelievers would be the people of the world. But he says, the people of the world are more shrewd. Interesting. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, there's another difficult passage, another difficult verse right there. What does that mean? Well, here, here's basically what I think he's saying here. He's saying, take your wealth, take your talent, take your opportunities that God has given you and use those to invest and to impact those who don't know Christ so that when you do enter into the gates of heaven, when you do come before God, that there will be those there that are glad for what you have done for them, for the assistance, for the sharing of the gospel that you have accomplished that led them to Christ. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how will he trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, Jesus is indicating to us here that we are stewards. We can see ourselves as stewards of what God has given. We are managers. All that God has given us, we are managers of it. And he says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, money, we know, is a neutral object. It is what possesses our heart, and it's what we do with money. It's interesting when you talk about shrewdness or wisdom, uh, being sharp, being astute. Uh, we, we see that as something wise to do in our own life, but so many times uh, we come to the church, we come to the faith, and we, we think it's better to just be dumb. I, I, I almost think that's kind of the mentality we kind of come to. Well, God, you just take care of that. Da, da, da. And we don't begin to strategically think, how can I impact those who are in my life that don't know Christ? How can I make impact upon my neighbors? How can I be strategic? How can I plan? And it's interesting, I got a postcard in the mail this week uh, from a local church, and it's, it's very well done. It says Christianity and the religions of the world, and then it kind of goes through the different religions they're going to deal with, and then with Christianity. And, you know, if I was someone who, who didn't know Christ, or I was someone who said, you know, I, I want to know more about faith, I, I'm seeking, I, I'm searching, 
If I, I received this, I think I'd be interested. I think that's something I might want to, to go to. But I, I remember talking to someone, and we've done mailers before as well, and we'll do some in the future. I remember talking to someone one time. They go, I just, I just don't believe churches should do that. I just, I just don't think that's right. I just don't think they should send mailers. Well, really, why, why is that? I just don't think that's what churches should do. I think people should just go. Well, what church do you go to? I don't go to any church. I haven't found one I like yet. So you're telling me you don't have a church, you haven't found one, there's not one. What if you got a mailer that was the kind of church you wanted to go to? Would you, well, I, maybe, but I still don't like them. I just don't think that's right. Jesus said, no, I, I don't reward you being dumb. Okay, I don't reward you being wasteful and just going, oh God, you just do everything. What if I did this? What if I said, you know, we just don't make plans at our church. We'd like for you all to give and... We're not going to have a budget. We're not going to make any plans. Matter of fact, just give us money. And when things come up, matter of fact, when things are shiny, we'll buy them. What if that was our mentality? Would you go, oh, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. No, you want to see that we have a budget and that we have checks and balances, that people are responsible for that? I mean, that's just wisdom. That's being shrewd. And that's what Jesus is saying, not just with your money, but with your time and your talents and your influence are you using it to make impact? Are you thinking about this next year? There are people that I work with. There are people that I live next to. How will I show them the love of Christ? How will I be able to communicate the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to them? Are you thinking about that? Do you have a plan? Are you praying for them? Same way with our spiritual growth. What is your plan? You know, we have uh, devotionals, and this is something real simple. Most of you, a lot of you probably already have devotions that you're doing. Great, use those. If you don't have one, we have these devotions that we put forth as a church. As you walk out that door, grab one. And you can, if you're doing nothing, I would encourage you to make a 90-second commitment this year, a minute and a half, to say, you know what, God, I'm going to at least spend a minute and a half, and I'm going to read the verse and start this devotional on a daily basis. I'm going to do that for this year. And let me say this. If you don't have 90 seconds, you need to see a doctor. Okay, that's just the reality of it, all right? But how are you going to be more spiritually astute, more connected to God this year than last year if you're just going to do whatever, whatever you did last year or you just have no plan? You've got to make a plan. You've got to start somewhere. This is a very small place to start. You may say, you know what? There's some things I need to learn about Scripture. Well, that's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have training. I need to get my finances in order. That's why we have Crown Finance. You've got to take those steps, okay? That's just basic shrewdness. That's just basic wisdom. But here's what we do know. If you do the same thing that you've always done, then you'll get the same results. My challenge to you is, will you take a step ahead with Christ? Will you take the next step? What are you willing to commit to? Do you want to impact your world? Well, we're going to give you some opportunities. God may have something else in mind for you, that God's already given you a clear vision and a way to impact the world that you're in. Then I'm going to ask you to do it. Share it with us. Become accountable. Begin to pray and share that with somebody. How are you using the opportunities that God has placed in your life to impact the kingdom? Stephen Scott was a gentleman who had just lost his sixth job. And a well-known author, Gary Smalley, had gone to school with Stephen Scott. And he said, you know, I, I knew he was so bright. He was such a sharp guy. And I knew he could do really well. But things just kept not working out for him. Over three years, he'd lost six jobs. 
And I, I said, you know, Stephen, here's what I want to challenge you to do. He said, I want you to take the book of Proverbs and I want you to read a chapter every day for 31 days. And then I want you to uh, do that again. I want you to do that for two years. And if you will do that, think about it, take notes. At the end of those two years, he said, I promise you, you'll be smarter than any boss who you'll sit down to interview with. You'll be smarter than any boss that you've had. Uh, Stephen Scott took that challenge, and in five years, he became a millionaire. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen for you necessarily. Uh, recognize this guy was already really sharper than probably most of us are, but the reality of it is this. He wasn't doing anything with the, the talents and the abilities he had, and there were some basic acts of wisdom and shrewdness that he simply was not enacting in his life. Great example of what can be done when we have a plan, we begin to work it, and we're consistent. We begin to become shrewd. And can I tell you, I think the Bible is full of shrewdness. I, I, I think it's full of wisdom. If you just look at all the parables that Jesus told, you know, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, man, it's the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man did what? He built his house upon the rock. Matter of fact, the same Greek root word is used there as it is here in Luke chapter 16. The new cloth and the old coat, the new wine and the old wineskin, the ten virgins, five who prepared and had their oil and took it with them, and five who didn't, who were called the unwise virgins. The talents that Jesus talks about, how one man took five of his talents and he invested, another took three and invested, two and invested, another took one and hid it. He wasn't shrewd. He didn't take his talents and his opportunities and capitalize on them. The moneylender, the good Samaritan, the friend in need, the rich fool that we see, uh, the lost coin, the rich man in Lazarus, the master and his servant, the persistent widow who came and kept asking, kept knocking. We see those are all instances of shrewdness, of being wise, of having a plan and acting it out. What about you this morning? What are you doing with the opportunity that God has given you to impact the kingdom? I want to encourage you to consider a couple of things. Number one, I want to encourage you to make a plan spiritually and begin to work it out, to begin to live it out. If that's starting with a devotion, if that's starting with a Bible study, maybe you need to join a small group. Whatever you need to do, take that step. If you want to connect at our church, here are two things. If you'll do these two, two things, you'll connect. Join a small group and begin to serve. If you don't do those things, then you probably won't connect. If you're already connected, that's great, but I'm just giving you a very simple way to start that process of connection. Number two, take advantage of opportunities that come your way to impact the kingdom. We've shared several with you today. Think about what it will take for God to use you in the mission field you are now in. What will it take for God to use you in the mission field you're now in? And think strategically and shrewdly about how you can shine the light of Christ to those whom God has put under your influence. I'll tell you a great example. I, I read an article this week about a, uh, there was a, a group of pro-life protesters who had been protesting uh, this abortion clinic that was local right there in their neighborhood and uh, had been going on for years and years and spent thousands and thousands of dollars, much to no avail. And then somebody came up with a bright idea. He said, what if we did this? They leased that property. What if we buy that building? 
And so sure enough, that's what they did. They got up and they raised enough support and they bought the building and then they turned it into a counseling center, a crisis counseling center. That's shrewdness, isn't it? That was a great act of wisdom. That's a great example of what we can do when we really sit down to think, how can I impact the kingdom of God? So here's my question. Will you be a part of seeing people received to come into the kingdom? Will you be a part of being equipped for the kingdom of God? Will you commit to be a part to impact the world that God has placed before you? And will you begin to pray about being sent out from this church? question is, what will you do with the opportunities that are before you? Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you this morning for all the blessings that you've given us. Lord, we recognize that, Lord, to whom much is given, much is required. And Lord, you have placed uh, abilities, talents, and finances in each of our hands. And you've called us to be faithful stewards with those things. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would not be found wanting, but be found as good and faithful servants. Lord, for those who need to begin the process of giving, I pray that you place that upon their heart today. For those who need to begin to serve, for those who need to begin the process of being equipped and growing, God, I pray that you would impassion their heart to do that today. For those, Father, who need to step step up and ring the bell of sponsorship of a child, Lord, I pray that you do it. For those, Lord, who, who uh, need to invest their time in helping us administrate uh, Lord, this operation that you've given us, this vision that you've given us, Lord, I pray that they would make that call today, that they would make that commitment today. Thank you for this time. In your name I pray. Amen.